We've all been there where we just feel like that we cry out to God and he doesn't talk to us. He doesn't communicate with us. And we just cry out and we yell out to him, God, tell me something. Tell me anything. Whether it's yes, no, whatever. I just want to hear your voice. I just want to know that you're listening. And I'll tell you, the thing that's so powerful about that song is all of us, we have been there where we feel like, God, what are you doing? 
Why is my family being torn apart? Why have I lost my job? Why is this happening? Why is she not coming back? Why is he getting worse? Why, why, why? And if you've ever asked those hard questions, if you ever feel like that your faith has been shipwrecked on the rocks of circumstances and doubt and despair, you are in a great place today because all of us have been there. That's not what you get, though, a lot of times when it comes to religion, though, is it? I mean, when the average person shows up, it's smiles, and it's plastic, and it's faces that are just kind of contorted with Botox, right? And it's just like, we're good, right? But that is not where any of us live. It's not where any of us live. And the thing that we're talking about today is, God, are you listening? Are you really hearing me? God, is this thing on? I mean, can you hear me? How many of y'all have ever felt that way? I have. By the way, if you didn't get to raise your hand, buckle up. Because you're going to feel that way one day. You know, one of my favorite movies that's come out this season is a movie called Gravity. In fact, it won seven Oscars. And this movie, what makes it so poignant is there's really only two actors. It's George Clooney, and he's not even in it for that long. It's really Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock plays this astronaut by the name of Dr. Ryan Stone, and she's adrift in space. And at one pivotal point in the movie, she's been struggling, uh, kind of being adrift in space and not having enough oxygen. She finally gets to a space capsule that she thinks is going to take her back home. And she gets in the space capsule, and she takes off her helmet, and everything's good and great. And she looks at the oxygen meter, and there is no oxygen. And she just starts losing it. She starts screaming out, and she starts doing maydays, trying to get in touch with NASA. And there's some type of blockage. The radio's been busted because she can only hear a ham operator about this Icelandic villager that doesn't speak English. And she doesn't speak his language. And she's trying to talk to this person, and there's a disconnect because she doesn't understand what he's saying, and he doesn't understand what she's saying, and she, she's coming to the point to realize, this is it. I'm dead. This is my last day. This is my last hour. And in this moment of desperation, she's talking to this person who doesn't understand what she's saying. And she's crying out to God, God, I wish somebody would have taught me to pray. Y'all watch this. I know we're all going to die. Everybody knows that. But I'm going to die today. Funny that, you know, to know. But the thing is, is that I'm still scared. Nobody will mourn for me. No one will pray for my soul. Will you mourn for me? Will you say a prayer for me? Or is it too late? Uh, I mean, I'd say one for myself, but I've never prayed in my life, so. Nobody ever taught me how. 
she feels completely alone. She doesn't know how to pray. Prayer is as foreign to her as that language on the other end of the radio that she doesn't understand. And again, all of us have felt that way. All of us have felt adrift in the midst of our circumstances, in this out of here in the great unknown, and we cry out to God, and we don't think God is listening. That's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario, there is no God. And we just feel alone. We feel abandoned. And again, if you've ever felt that way, you're in good hands because today we're going to be looking at a passage of the Bible that a guy by the name of David felt the exact same way you did. In fact, that may just be a surprise. If, if, if church is not your thing, you think, okay, in order to come to church, everything in the Bible is just kind of perfect with bows on it, you would be wrong. Because we're going to just look at some really raw emotions today by a guy by the name of David as he writes a really big book of the Bible called Psalms. In fact, the word Psalms literally means songs. And again, if church is not your thing, you would be surprised that there's this one big book in the Bible with lyrics to their like top 40 hits. All right? Uh, they used to sing. They didn't have radios back then. I don't know what they used to sing to. Um, but uh, they, uh, they had these things, and, and these lyrics are printed for us today. In fact, let me read you some of these lyrics that David penned. And let's just look at how messy and raw this is. Psalm 27, 7, David says this, Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Will you not answer me? Next one. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my cry for help. Please listen and what? Answer me. Are we seeing some themes here? Look at this next one. God, are you avoiding me? Can we even say that in church? God, I mean, really, are you avoiding me? Where are you when I need you? I've prayed that. I've felt that way. This next verse, I don't even know if it's okay to even talk about in the church because it's kind of it's out there. Look at this. I yell out to my God. I yell out with all of my might. I yell at the top of my lungs. And what does he do? Can we really yell to God? Can we scream to God, God, I don't like you. I don't like what you're doing. I don't like exactly what's happening in my life. God, where are you? Can we do that? The answer we see in the book of Psalms is that when it comes to relationships, honesty is really important. I mean, let's take God out of the picture and let's just talk about your physical relationships. Here's the thing about relationships. Honesty is such a, a huge thing in our relationships that if we're going to get close to another person, we're going to have to build trust. And you can't build trust unless you're honest and you're open with another person, which poses a dilemma for us as people because we have a decision to make. Can I trust that other person? Can I really open myself up to you and risk what I have to share? It's about Trust, And it's the same in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Because can we be honest with God? Can we yell out at God? Can we share with Him how frustrated we are with Him? Are we allowed to do that? Can we be honest with God and tell Him exactly what we're feeling and how things are going, even when our feelings aren't very Christian? You know what I mean by that? I mean, some of you, we, we all have feelings, and sometimes they're just not things we like talking about at church. Some of us, we get ticked. We're angry. 
anger that sees inside of us or bitterness or hurt or being wounded. And if we were just going to be honest in this room this morning and take off all of the plastic mask around us, there's just some things that we don't think are really Christian, but it's just part of us. Can we share that side of ourselves to God? Can I talk to God about those things? Can I talk to God about the things I don't like about what he's doing? Or the things that I don't agree with what he's doing? And in these lyrics we're going to be looking at in the book of Psalms today, one of the, the most predominant psalms we're going to see, there's 150 of them, of these lyrics, and about half of them, about 75, were written by a guy by the name of David. David. And um, uh, many of these songs or psalms are psalms of lament. And the word lament literally comes from the Latin word of weeping. And if you're just reading through the psalms, just a casual glance, you're going to realize, dude, there's a lot of emotions in this book. And not all of them are all great and cozy and, oh, we're glad to be at church. Right? David gets raw. He gets honest. And these psalms of lament teach us how that we can love God and feel enormous hatred and frustration towards God at the same time. And all of us, I think, we can find some comfort that God connected with people who felt love and hatred at the same time. Felt He connected with people who would praise him and still be frustrated with him at the same time. Because our relationship, that's what it is, we have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's not just a religion. It's just not you do this, do this, do this. It is a real relationship with highs and lows, ups and downs, frustrations and happiness. And today we're landing on Psalm 13. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to those. We give away Bibles for free here because we want you to read the Bible. Very good, all right? So go ahead and turn to Psalm 13, or if you have version on your phone, on your smartphone, you can go to the live events and you can click on it now. Before we dive into Psalm 13, let me give you some backstory about this guy by the name of David. Some of you know exactly who he is. Some of you is like, I don't know if I know this dude. So let me give you some background to him. As a young man, David was anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the future king of Israel, to be the next king of Israel. But there was one big problem. Israel already had a king that they chose. His name was King Saul, and he was a bummer of a king. So God promised David, you're going to be the next king, and he gets anointed as king, but he has to wait and wait and wait and wait because Saul's still living. In fact, he is actually waiting for 15 years. Imagine that. God has promised you something, and you're having to wait for about 15 years for that to come true. And during this 15-year wait, David starts to become popular with all the people. In fact, at one time, he kills this nine-foot giant called Goliath, and, uh, who's the enemy of Israel, and he becomes real popular. And then he becomes friends with King Saul, and David becomes this great warrior, has so much success that King Saul says, I'm going to put you, David, in charge of the entire Israeli army. And he becomes the general. And he becomes more popular and more popular. He becomes so popular that Saul, King Saul, gets jealous of David. In fact, let me just say this. People who are insecure leaders will always get jealous of people who are strong around them. 
And that's exactly what happens with King Saul. He gets jealous of David's greatness, and he tries to kill David on two separate occasions. King Saul takes a javelin and hurls it at David and is going to try to pin David's body to the wall. And David moves out just in time. And now David is running for his life with him and his friends in the desert trying to get away from this crazy, jealous king. He is waiting for how many years? 15 years, and he's asking God, how long? How much longer am I have to wait? How much longer? How long? Look at what Psalm 13, 1 says. Oh, Lord, what is it? How long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? Next verse. How long must I struggle with, in, with this anguish in my soul? With sorrow in my heart every day? How long... Will my enemy have the upper hand? Four times he says, how long? How long? God, how long? How much longer am I going to have to wait? How much longer? Say something, God. I'm just, say something, anything. I feel like I'm just giving up on you. Say anything. And he's crying out to God in this raw emotional moment that's in the Bible. And some of you, That is exactly where you're at today. God, I need you to fix this. Do something. I need you to, I I need enough money to be able to pay the electric bill this month. Show me something, God. Say anything. And I think we can all agree that this prayer that he is writing to God in this lyric of Psalm 13 is honest. He's just being honest. It would appear based on this psalm that it's okay to be honest with God. It's okay to yell at him. It's okay to be frustrated with him. It's okay to be honest. In fact, that is the one thing that if you hear nothing else for today, I want you to walk out and I want you to be able to know this, that we need to pray honestly. Pray honestly because honestly, God wants to reveal you. That's our big idea today. Pray honestly. Can you say that? Pray honestly. Let's say it again. Pray honestly. Why? Because God wants the real you. He doesn't want the fake you. He wants the real you. Um, This is not my notes, and I shared this first service. There's a churchy word I want to unpack here, and it's this, that God knows everything. God knows everything. The churchy theological word for that is that God is omniscient. Can you say that with me? Omniscient. You know what what does that mean? That God knows everything. Now, let's just start right here. If God knows everything, don't you think he knows that you're already ticked at him? Right? He already knows that you're angry. You might as well tell him. Right? I mean, you might as well do that. Some of you, you are the master of silent treatment on your husband or your own wife. Come on now. Let me know. You can stay over at my house tonight because you officially out in the doghouse. I'm just saying... But we've been there, right? We've stone-cold them, and, and, and we, we, we do the silent treatment with them. Let me tell you, God doesn't want us to stone-cold him. He doesn't want us to give him the silent treatment. He wants you to yell at him. He wants you to be honest with him. Why? Because he already knows you're ticked. He does. He already knows that things aren't right. He is all-knowing. So if prayer... It's how we talk to God. And talking and communication promotes relationships. And in relationships, we need trust. And in order to build trust, you've got to be honest. Then we've got to figure out how we can be honest with God. So, 
So here's what I want to do. I want to unpack this. I want to unpack this with me and you, and then I want to unpack this with our relationship with us and God. It's five levels of transparency and intimacy when it comes to relationships. They're going to be up on your screen. The first one is this. We have five levels, and the first level is cliche relationships. Let's, again, let's just talk about me and you. When you came in today, probably somebody asked you, hey, how you doing? And you responded, good, I'm fine, right? Some of you, you fought on the way to church with your spouse, or you fought on the way to church with your kids, right? I mean, you were yelling, screaming, you were yelling so much spit was flying, and then you come in and you go, how you doing? I'm just great. I'm great. You know, that's cliche. And most of our relationships are around cliche relationships. There isn't any self-disclosure. It's surface level. You can have an exchange like this with total strangers. And it really is just empty chatter. That's most of our relationships. Here's the next one. And this is a little bit deeper than cliche relationships. And it is factual relationships. Factual relationships, we have these with people. We talk about the weather. We talk about kids. We talk about uh, schedules. We talk about, uh, you know, guys, we talk about March Madness. We talk about statistics. We talk about stuff like that. But we we still have no self-disclosure. We keep people at arm's length. Why? Because, again, they may reject us or we're a little bit more screwed up than what we want them to kind of put out there. And the problem is we can keep this image up that we are okay, but if we continue to keep that image up, we're always going to keeping people at arm's length. And nobody will really know you. Now, here's the thing. These two relationships are where 98% of all of our relationships lie. Think about it. Guys, if I can be so bold, this is where about... 99.9% repeating of our relationships with other guys are. You know, how you doing? I'm good. Really? Yeah. What about those Knicks? Right? I mean, really? Right? Or when you try to get there, you go golfing with your buddy, and the guy says, hey, I'm getting divorced from my wife. And the other guy goes, huh, that sucks. What what, what are you doing after? What do you want to eat afterwards? That's all they go. Right? They kind of, they side skirt it because they don't want to talk about anything real. Here's the problem. That's the problem when it comes to me and you doing that. This is where most of our relationship and talks with God are. They're cliche. God, thank you so much for the day. Thank you so much for this food. Lord, uh, let me have a good night tonight. Amen. Cliche. It's empty words. Or let's get him a little bit deeper. Let's go to factual. God, I got this, I got this serious ingrown toenail. I know, right? I don't, really. But, God, you know, my Aunt Bertha, man, she she ain't doing too good. You're going to have to help Bertha, right? Um, And and we just talk about things. God, pray for the missionaries, pray for this, pray for tsunami victims, pray for this. And, yeah, we say we mean it, but it's just factual, cliche, and that's it. And then we wonder why come our relationship with God is so boring and never does go any deeper. Um, it never, why, it's just, it's just kind of blah. It's because we're not being real with God. We're, we're keeping God at arm's length. There's no self-disclosure. If we're going to get close to other people, and if we're, if we're never going to get close to our Heavenly Father, we've got to move beyond these two things. Let's go to the next three. The next one is sharing opinions. This is what I think. What do you think? 
Sometimes we experience conflict when we share what we think, right? We do. This is what I think, and it's a little bit more riskier. The next one is where we actually share feelings. Opinions is what we think about. Feelings is stuff in our heart. It's stuffed in our chest, and it's shame. It's sad. I'm hurt. I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm embarrassed. I'm happy. I'm happy, and I know it. All right. But we share feelings. And very rarely, again, do guys ever do this with other guys? We just, we're, in fact, we're taught to be able to just kind of cut off our feelings and, and real men don't cry and real men don't have them. And then, but guys do have feelings. And then we wonder why after eight months of not showing our feelings, everything kind of blows up like a pressure cooker because we hadn't had any release. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. So there's cliches, there's factual, there's opinions, there's feelings, and this last one, it's where we're sharing our dreams and desires. Here you're actually sharing who you are. You're actually conveying your hopes and fears and dreams. It's giving away who you are. It's giving away a part of yourself. And as you go down in these five different levels of relationships, our transparency greatly increases, and the number of people whom you can share this stuff with greatly decreases. These levels of trust and bonding that happens in feelings and sharing dreams and desires, it's so much, and this is where real true friendships are made. I'm going to put the pause button right here. Guys, I've already said we struggle. We kind of keep them at the first two. Where this gets deep for us is in community groups. You're never ever going to be able to go beyond cliche or factual here at one church. I mean, think about it. You come in the door at one church on Sunday morning, 11 o'clock, and say, hey, how are you doing? I'll tell you how I'm doing. And then you, bleh, right? And everybody's going, what's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> Honey, let's get away from this person. Stranger danger, right? I mean, you can't do that, right? You just can't do that. Um, it, it, it's a little bit weird. But you got to have a place to do that. you got to have a place, hey, my depression is back. The kids aren't doing well at school. Me and her, we're not getting along. Where do you share that? Where that happens here is in community groups. And today, you're going to have an opportunity to be able to, to join a community group. But it's that last level of communication, sharing our dreams and desires. That rarely happens with anyone, even our spouse. I mean, you think about it. When is the last time you and your spouse really talked about your hopes and your dreams and your desires of what you want to become? <laughs> right? I mean, you're too busy trying to get the kids on the bus, trying to make sure that they got shorts on or pants on or matching. Or I mean, you're so busy, you're, you're not really trying to connect with one another. You're trying to just survive. And I'll be honest with you, because we stopped sharing the dreams and desires, we did that at one time. That's how we fell in love with them, by the way. When we stop that once we get married and we start doing that with somebody else, that's how affairs happen. It never happens on a physical, sexual way. It always happens by sharing your emotions and your dreams. But we have to figure out how we can get deeper in our relationship with God. That's it. It's okay to be honest with God. We can pray honestly. Look at verse 1. Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? So David's troubles with King Saul for the past 15 years isn't getting any better, and he's saying, God, really? It's time. You said you were going to do this. It's long past time. 
How many of y'all, God's long past time with some promises to you? Anyone? Some of you, absolutely. Long past. How long, God? Can we tell, can we tell that to him? That's interesting. So many times we get so frustrated. Let me tell you a definition of frustration. Frustration is the gap between what we expect and what we experience. Let me say that again. Frustration is the gap between what we expect and what we experience. And here's the thing. All of us experience frustration. And so much of life is living within the tension of this gap. And the question is, what are you going to insert in the gap? Between your frustration and, and, and your experience. Your, what we expect and what we experience. I've been there because I've been frustrated with kids, with spouse, with God, with employees, employers, all of that stuff. And some of you, it may be a rebellious child, it may be a long-term illness, it may be gnawing financial problems, it may be trying to get a date, trying to get married, trying to get out of marriage, whatever that is. You're just frustrated. You're frustrated. What happens when you do that? Here's the thing. I think what's so cool about this is there will be times in our life with God that God's going to seem far away, and living in his presence 24-7 seems like nothing more than a faded memory or a distant dream. When that happens, you have the opportunity to get closer to God. Why? Because this time you're not basing your spiritual walk on feelings but on faith. So many times, I've done this, y'all. I'm just being real with y'all. I base whether or not I feel close to God based upon my feelings. Because I went to a conference or I got a new praise and worship album or, you know, I got to go to a camp. And there's those mountain highs that we just like, yeah, that's awesome. And I feel so close to God, I feel like I can just touch it. And there's other times I'm like, dude, where are you at? And see, here's the thing. Let me teach you another churchy word. All right. We talked about omniscient, he knows everything. Here's another one, omnipresent. Everybody say that. Let me tell you what that means. It means that God is everywhere. He is everywhere. Where is he at? Everywhere. everywhere. Let me tell you a prayer you never need to pray to God. God, be with me. He's with you, especially if you're a Christ follower. He is with you, right? You never have to pray that. God is with you, and he will not leave you. He will not leave you, and even though he feels like he's far away, that's the time when you have the opportunity to say, it's not about feelings, it is about faith. It is about faith. Now, how's gonna, God going to respond to David? Is he going to slap David's hand and say, you shouldn't talk to me that way? Right? That's what we do to our kids. You shouldn't talk to me that way. Is that what God's going to do to David here? You shouldn't be honest with me. Let me tell you exactly how God describes David. Don't turn there. It's going to be on the screen. It's Acts 13.22. It says this, God removed King Saul and replaced him with David, a man after about whom God said, I have found David, a man after what? My own heart. Let me tell you this. God will never, ever, never, ever chastise anyone for being real and authentic and raw with them. Never. Why? Because God wants you to be honest. He already knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're feeling. He's the only person in the world who knows what you think and feels. Your wife doesn't know that. She thinks you do, but no, she doesn't. I can say that because my wife's not here today. So I'm flying without a net, right? I'm just saying. She thinks I know what's in my head, all right? But only God knows that. So you might as well go ahead and be real with it. 
Look at what he says. I love this. If you want to be honest, let me say this this way. If you want to be the type of person that goes through life sensing God's presence and closeness, if you want to be one of those people who experiences the power of God in their life, if I just unpacked it, we were real this morning. There are some people that you could tell me that you really look up to spiritually because of what, how God just seems so close to them. And if I were to ask you, do you want to be that way? You would go, yes, okay. If you want to be that way, then and what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to get honest with God. Because it's only when we get honest with God that those relationships with our Heavenly Father will deepen. And he will be the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Man, I love that. All right, this next, this next verse. I love Psalms 3, 13, 3 and 4. Turn and answer me, O Lord. Let's just stop right there. If... If David's trying to say, turn and answer me, O Lord, what does that tell you about what he thinks God postures, God's posture is towards him? It's usually this, right? No, God, you're, I feel like you're, you're, you've got your back towards me. Turn and answer me, O Lord, my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my da- downfall. David was just raw and candid with God, sharing with him this gut-level needs and honesty. And here's what I promise you today. If you're honest with God and get past that cliche level, God will let you have a new perspective on your problems. As we close, let me just give you just three practical ways that we can be able to do that. I want to challenge you. And it starts in verse 5. It says this. But I, what? Trust. Remember that? That's what we want to build. All right. Another word is we can call it faith. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice. Why? Because you have rescued me. All right. One of the ways that we're going to gain new perspective about our issues and our frustrations is number one, we have to assume God's presence and do what you know you should do. Let's say it together. Assume God's presence and do what you know you should do. David says this, but I trust in your unfailing love because you have rescued me. He's saying this, I won't let despair get the best of me. I'm just going to assume that you are with me, watching over me, taking care of me, leading me along the way. I'm going to assume that. Regardless of how I feel, I'm going to assume you're with me. Regardless of how my circumstances are going, I'm going to assume that you are with me. So many times we think you shouldn't assume anything. You can assume this. God is with you. He is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So assume that God is leading you. Assume his love. Assume his grace. Assume his presence. Assume his protection. And then do what you know to do. Do what you know to do. So many of us, we feel like, okay, I'm going to do what I think I should do once God comes through for me. No, 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 no. You do what you know you should do now. When, 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 when life goes dark and you can't really feel him anymore and you don't know direction, look back at the time when he told you, I want you to do this when it was light, and you keep on doing that. Because if you, if, if you follow what he showed you in the light, even when it's dark now, eventually lightness will open up. There will be some light. There will be some brightness. 
but you gotta, you got to go back to that point, that gut level obedience. That means we continue the habit of reading the Bible, whether we feel like it or not. That we continue the habit of going to church, whether we feel like it or not. That we continue the habit of serving, whether we feel like it or not. That we continue the habit of getting, involved, getting God involved in our business, whether we feel like it or not. Because our relationship with God isn't based on feelings. Again, I talked about this a little bit last week. How many of y'all, you feel like you love your spouse all the time for all of the years that you've been with them? You, you felt that way. It's been lovey-dovey, you know, whatever. <laughs> you, you see this person down here? He's a liar. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just playing with you, dude. So, no, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, you may be in love now, right? And they're, they're like, oh, they are. They're in love now, but just wait, right? Seriously. I've been married going on 21 years with my life, my wife, and I love her. And there's sometimes I do want to kill her. I do. I want to take my hands around her neck and I want, yeah, right? Because she's human and so am I. You see, we can't just base our commitment to each other based upon our feelings, it has to be deeper than that. It has to be something else. It has to be a commitment. It has to be a commitment. I love you, dude. All right, all right. Look at this. The second thing is this. The second thing is to cling to what you know is true. The first one, assume that God is with you and do what you know you should do. And then secondly, cling to what you know is true. Look at what David says in verses 5 and 6. But I, what is it? Trust. That is. I, what I know I trust in what? Your unfailing love. That's what I know to be true. I will rejoice. Why? Because you have rescued me. When, let's just stop. I just kind of want to hit the pause button because so many times when God seems far away, you just got to cling to what you know to be true, and you got to remember. You may be frustrated with God now. That's okay. But remember when he came through for you? You know, oh, it's okay that you're ticked at God now. He can take it. He's got big shoulders. But you remember... When things were just going absolutely to Gehenna in a handbasket, and he actually came through, he showed up and he showed out, and there were some amazing things, and you're like, yeah, remember, remember, remember God's faithfulness. It's okay to be frustrated with him now, that's okay, but you got to go back in your mind and remember a time when you were frustrated before and he came through. Let me tell you, Satan, our enemy, doesn't want you to remember the times that God has come through for you. Why? Because if you remember, you'll start trusting and believing, and he just might come through for you again. That's so huge. Because so many times we, we get in the middle of our problems, and we lose perspective. We lose perspective. How many of y'all saw the full moon last night? All right? Uh, the full moon was just gorgeous. It was so big, right? I could take that full moon and I could take a quarter and the closer I get to my eye, eventually I can block out that big old honking full moon. And that's what so many of us do with our problems. We totally wipe God out of the picture because we get so focused on our big problems. Not because they're big, a quarter's small, but we get it so close to us, we lose perspective. We lose perspective. And we, God wants to give us, we got to remember when God did come through. And lastly, we got to keep singing praise to God. We got to keep singing praise to God. Go back to that last verse if you wouldn't mind. It says this, verse 6. I will sing to the Lord. Why? Because he is good 
to me. You've heard me say before that love isn't a feeling, it is a decision, it's something that you do. And most of you already know that, but let me say this, praise and worship, worshiping our God isn't a feeling either. It's a decision. Because so many of us, man, when the band's on it, and you come in on Sunday, and it's like, whoo, man, they rocked out, it was awesome, right? Man, I totally felt God. Okay, that's cool. What happens when you come up and the band stinks? And the preacher, man, he, he couldn't preach his way out of a wet paper bag. Right? He was awful, right? I mean, can you still be going, all right? I mean, can you still be saying, I, even though it wasn't there, and maybe I didn't feel it, but I choose to praise God? Because worshiping God isn't a feeling. There's sometimes it just bubbles up, and you go, yeah. And there's other times it don't bubble up, and God still wants you to go, yeah. Now, some of you, you think that's kind of hypocritical, isn't it? It's hypocritical to sing praise when you don't feel close to God. Well, I guess it is hypocritical if you believe that you're only supposed to praise God when you feel good. But God wants you to praise him all the time. In fact, this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat, drink, or whatever. Everybody say whatever. Whatever, whatever you do, you're to give glory to God. I mean, that means when you're... When you're up at 3 o'clock with the baby with the earache who's throwing up, yeah. You don't feel like it. I understand it. But even in that, God, I'm going to try to make your name great in this. Even when things are falling off your life, God, I'm not, try- I'm not being a hypocrite. All right? I don't feel it right now, but I'm just going to be honest with you. I choose to praise you. I choose to praise you. Let's just be honest with you. Go back to that last verse, if you wouldn't mind. I love that verse. I will sing the Lord because he's so good to me. Do you really think, he started this song, God, where are you at? Really? Seriously, where are you at? I need some help. Do you really think in the, in the, over the time it took for us to read those six verses that his circumstances are all changed? The answer, no. He's still not king. He's still been waiting for 15 years. Saul is still trying to kill him. So what's changed? His perspective. His perspective. His perspective. So, my challenge for you, my challenge for you as we end today, for some of us, I just want to ask this question, what is it going to take for us to really trust God? Because that's what it's about. That's what he wants. In fact, the word trust, faith, same word, it says in Hebrews 11, without faith it is impossible to please God. God wants us to trust him. So what's it really going to take in our life for us to really trust God? For some of us, you want to know how well you trust God? I hate talking about this, but it's the truth. It's, It's what you do with what's in your wallet. Again, we're not taking up the offering again, so you're safe. This is no guilt. I'm just telling you. You really want to know how much you trust God. Jesus said it this way, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We want to know how much we're trusting God. All we have to do is look in our back pocket. Because many times we're trusting in Benjamins, some of you Lincolns, right? That was funny. It was funnier in my head. All right, let uh, let me answer a couple of questions. Is it true that if we don't forgive others for sins against them, then you are blocking your communication with your heavenly Father? The answer, absolutely. 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 In fact, we looked at this, I think it was three weeks ago now. Forgive our sins as you forgive those who sin against us. You still have a relationship with God. 
You still have a relationship with God, but you and him ain't on talking terms. Anybody who's married, you've been there? You still got the relationship. Y'all just ain't talking, right? Um, I, I mean, I, you know, I've been there as well. You see, here's the thing, and I think that was the last question. I'll, I'll end on that one, but there's a difference between relationship and fellowship. You can have a relationship with somebody and not enjoy their fellowship. If you go and do something dumb with your wife or your husband, uh, ladies, if you go and you spend the bank account, right, and there's still bills to be paid, are y'all still married? Some of you guys going, maybe not. No, 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 hang on. You are still married. There is still a relationship. Is there fellowship? Is there getting along? Uh Uh-uh. And that's how it is with our Heavenly Father. You see, when you choose not to forgive somebody else, what you're saying is that you are better and bigger than God. Because you think about it. He forgives us even though all of the junk that we did to put Jesus on the cross. What we're saying is that we are more important than God. And what they did to us was worse than what they did to Jesus on the cross. So the answer Absolutely. That's a great, 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 great question. Great question. Next week, we're going to end on our series, Stalking Jesus. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm going to tell you, i got uh, guys coming out here in a sack. I do want to say this. Today is group link. If you guys aren't in a community group, I, I would. if you want to go on those levels of transparency and relationships and vulnerability, you've got to get into group. I love one church. I love this church. But let me just say this. What happens and what makes this church great isn't right now. It's what's to come. It's what happens in homes. It's what happens around, around tables and in couches and hanging out with people who are real. That is where we can be honest with one another. It's where it happens. Let me pray for y'all. God, I need you. God, I just said, let me pray for y'all, but I need prayer, God. I'm just going to come to you and say, Lord, that Lord, I I'm just asking you to intervene on our behalf. Lord, that you would never, ever let us believe the lie that we can't be honest with you. Lord, you already know what we're feeling. So God, we're just coming to you. We're needing you. And God, I just, I pray for those in here, those in here who need a relationship with you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that they would realize they don't have to become fake or something that, not, that they're not. But they can become the real person that you have created them to be. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. As Patrick comes, let me tell you this. Um, some of you know Katie Shelby. Uh, Katie's our Wonderland director here. She is not here. Uh, she is in Kentucky today because her dad was in a really bad tractor accident. So um, he is in the ICU in Lexington And uh, I would just encourage you uh, today um, to be praying for him. Be praying for Katie. Uh, She lost her mother about a year, year and a half ago because somebody was texting and driving. And um, and now her father is critically ill um, because of this tractor accident. So if you get a chance, you guys get emails from her every Wednesday. Um, You might want to send her an email, let her know that you're praying for her. Um, and as Patrick comes out, I'm going to ask Patrick, before you do announcements, would you just pray for Katie and Katie's dad? Yeah. Uh, we talk about Group Link Sunday. One of the verses I read this morning 
when we were talking was rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And we as a staff especially, we mourn with her. So let's pray for that. Father, you are gracious. And um, God, I know right now, Katie, in uh, the midst of these circumstances, has harsh words for you, God. And I pray that um, uh, she can be honest with you and that you will just uh, bless her and comfort her beyond, God, uh, how she feels right now, going through the midst of these things. I pray for her father's health, God, that, um, God, you would guide that process. And uh, if you would be gracious, God, that you would heal him and heal him quickly and bring him back to her family. So give that family strength, God, and uh, help walk through this difficult process with him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.